Welcome to the Elevate Together podcast, voices of change in the business of law. Hello, this is Nicole Giantonio, the Chief Marketing Officer at Elevate. The podcast episode you're about to hear is part of our expert series featuring industry leaders sharing market insights. This episode highlights two leaders from Elevate's flexible legal resourcing business, Elevate Flex. And Elevate Director, Paula Forbes, talks with Daniel Hogan, an Elevate Flex Engagement Manager, leading our Asia-Pac initiatives from Australia. Paula and Daniel touch on two unique years, trends they're seeing today, and what's next in legal resourcing. Dan, what I was really hoping that we could talk through, the flex legal market, the interim legal market, a backwards look, if you like, on 2021 and the year that was, lots of unpredictable things happened. And then our forwards look for, for 2022, Elevate, as you know, is global. The Australia market and you joining us in 2021 really is where we are focusing a lot of our investments on that market in particular. So this is where you and I could just chat through your expertise, your insights, your market knowledge, and the experience that you draw from the Australia market. The story of, of 2021, it's really difficult to discuss without discussing COVID as we probably have been for most of 2020 and, and this year and into 2022. From an Australian perspective, it's been marred by extensive lockdowns, certainly in the most popular states of New South Wales, where I'm based, and Victoria. I, as you know, joined Elevate in the middle of one of those lockdowns. Whether we like it or not, it's had an impact on talent movement, but also the way in which a lot of our customers have gone about their um, attraction of talent. The, the key customers that we've had have been much more open to remote working. I think obviously everyone's got used to working from home, but I think this has come from attracting people with the, the skills that they require has meant that people don't need to move around. They can be shipped a, a laptop and you could be in WA with an internet connection and be working on project matters for a business headquartered out of Sydney. That was one of the key things that coming into the second half of the year, most of the lockdowns in New South Wales in late June. I guess the difference between 2021 uh, and 2020 was the, the demand for those skills and the opportunities that were coming up increased rather than decreased. So the talent shortage, it got harder to find good people. Organisations are obviously thinking a bit more flexibly. Absolutely. And this is something that we've seen across the board. I think particularly with Australia, as you say, because of the border being closed, you know, the international aspect that I think Australia relies on, resource movement in and out, where it refreshes the, the knowledge pool, the experience pool and all those things, I think, has suffered as a result. It's just continued through from 2020 into 2021, coming into the early to mid stages of, of 2021, even though we weren't necessarily in state lockdown at that point, we were definitely in a, an international lockdown caps on Australian citizens coming back to Australia were restricted across all the states. Some states were letting very few people back into the country at all. There is a natural ebb and flow between Australia and certainly major legal financial markets, lawyers that were looking to return to Australia have found it difficult. That then makes it difficult to plan what opportunities they might have on the ground, but it restricts the pool of talent. And rather than being a normal flow, they've sort of been restricted to a drip, if you like, of people coming in. Having said that, 
we still have managed to bring people back from certain locations. The examples are, are, are relatively few. And I think one of the impacts that we've seen across the board in Australia included is then the impact on um, rates, talent that you do have being in short supply then becomes much more expensive. Yes, has had a, an impact. I think it's probably taken a bit of time. Whilst we do have demand for multiple opportunities with many different customers across different sectors, there's still a, a cost restriction. We definitely are starting to see that just because the talent are in high demand. They, they're demanding more money if they've got three, four, five service providers talking to them about different opportunities. They can feel that they're in demand. The law firms, I think, probably struggle to retain their talent and attract. So there's been movement both their permanent staff, but then obviously what that does then is it means that they bring their secondees out from their customers and back into the law firm in a lot of situations, which has then left you know opportunities for us where we've seen the consultants and the contract opportunities come within law departments who very often are then the reason they're going out to markets because they can essentially can get a secondee lawyers from the law firms at a favorable rate. And then talent is demanding more the difference, if you like, that I've observed with the work that we've been doing in Australia is that on the customer side, is the law firms and the in-house have been slightly behind the curve on that rate rise. In other regions, and I know in India, EMEA and in the US, talent has been driving up their day rates, hourly rates. But because it's getting really highly aggressive and organisations know they're pitching against each other, they have been quite quick to respond to that in large parts of the world. It's been a very aggressive 2021 in terms of that competition over top talent. As I say, we've had members of our network that have had seven or eight offers on the table at any one time, particularly in the US, actually. I mean, it's a huge market there. We have been really trying to educate in the art of becoming competitive. I think there are a number of organizations can be a little bit complacent over brand in the market, how they're perceived, what it takes to attract and retain that spans permanent. Yes. When you've got that many organizations vying for someone, those who, who shout loudest with a really decent, credible offer, win those battles. We have definitely seen that this year, but it has taken some organizations longer than others to jump on that. It's definitely happening now. When I've been talking to customers directly about their resource challenges you know, more broadly in their strategy, the three key things, as you rightly say, one of them is the competitive rate. And it's the speed at which you make the decision particularly within the interim market, really trying to condense the number of interviews if they can to one, get all the decision makers on that one call. And then it's the duration of the contract has been quite important. I get the irony with moving into contracting market where nothing is guaranteed, yes. but talent do want an element Longer of stability. Contracts. Yes. Yep. <laughs> the six months that really win the race where we look for customers who need a six-week fill, they're always going to be harder where you've got talent who have offers that are longer and the decisions are made quicker. Shorter contracts have always been more difficult to find people for. It's usually quite lucky, I guess, when that happens. But there's definitely people looking for that six months or upwards. Gives them time to plan their life basically for six months. Not everyone wants to think if they do have four or five opportunities now, do I really want to go through all this again in another two months? I think that just gives people a bit more stability. One of the things that I've observed, more people considering a portfolio career or moving into the contractor market through 2021, which really you could argue bodes quite well because it's a very tight market in any event. These people are coming from somewhere. They're coming often from permanent roles. Have you noticed in Australia more people considering the interim market, moving away from permanent roles 
as we have done, particularly in the US and, and across the UK. As you can imagine, quite a lot of people being in the this space for a portfolio career for a short period of time, coming off the back of the first one or the second contracts and they're looking for the next and they've sort of already sold on it and they've tried it and they're continuing to do it and it, it works well for them. And then we've been speaking and reached out to a number of other lawyers looking for their first role. So it's all quite new and it's about sort of educating them on how we can help them, giving them a bit of confidence around there will be multiple opportunities. What the pandemic has done is has made people reevaluate. And so you are seeing people that evaluating their position from a career point of view, whether that is a permanent role that they want, have they already had two or three moves, a mid to senior level lawyer, and how will flexible working work for me? And it comes down to the family life. There's different motivations that mean that they potentially afford to, to not work all year round and only want to do a six-month contract, have a bit of time to themselves. Or very often, they've got other business interests for certain parts of the year or one or two days a week, take them into another industry. They want things around the life that they've built for themselves. And they see this as a absolutely a viable opportunity to make that work for them. And I've seen people go through that journey. It really does depend on on the individual and the practice areas where we're seeing a lot of demand. Generally speaking, it's always your commercial lawyers, the corporate lawyers in Australia, definitely construction, energy. People can make it work because the project work is there to build their career in that way. You're absolutely right. The flexible working in the truest sense of the word. If you like, there's a clue in the title, flexible. You know, there can be some real opportunity. You know, you're absolutely right. I think it really has opened up and got people thinking. It's not two careers, private practice or in-house. There is literally a third career that has multiple facets to it. You know, I've seen individuals get bored of doing the one role rather than move permanent roles, which is frowned upon. But if you're moving with different organisations because there is project work or a specific reason to do that and it's on to the next. And people do move from law firm to in-house. I probably haven't seen too many people on the really junior side. I think it can be perceived as quite risky to some. Once they've done it and they've seen for themselves it can work, then that's how that marketplace grows. I wouldn't say it's brand new in Australia. It probably just isn't as established as the US, the UK and other markets, but it is getting that. The need for the talent to work in that way is definitely there. I think in the more established markets, the riskiness, that risk profile is probably lessened over time. But one of the challenges I think a lot of organizations face is the learning and development part for the junior lawyers, working remotely and not sitting next to colleagues or a partner or overhearing the kind of conversations that happen in office environment within Elevate Flex. We're very much aware of how we support that junior end of the market looking to come into the interim space, but they don't fall short of all of those experiences, making sure that they do feel supported in their career development if they were to choose an interim career earlier on in, in their career. And we've talked at length that backwards look at 2021. I would really like for us to focus now on the predictions for 2022. There's a bit of crystal ball. When we look at last year, lots of things took place in, in the large parts we couldn't anticipate and the markets ran off in certain directions. For 2022, however, there is a trend that seems to be emerging, at least in other parts of the world, that you may start to see here within Asia-Pac, principally the Australian market. One of the things in particular that I'd like to focus on is that the recent announcement, the border within Australia is opening up. 
that was one of the real pinch points for last year for you know the ever increasingly tight markets in Australia. How do you see the impact of that? A couple of things that spring to my mind. Are we going to see that brain drain of talent and skills and experience in the legal sector? A lot of people now seeing the opportunity to move that they couldn't previously. Do you anticipate people choosing Australia and Asia Pac as a destination to bring their skills and experience? It will certainly have an impact. I don't know whether it will be immediate, just as the borders closing obviously had a, an impact on people at that point in time that had either had plans to come to Australia or were leaving Australia two years ago. A lot of those people probably will have been able to get out of Australia now, but coming back in, I, th- I think there'll be people that, that put their plans on ice in the legal industry from specific legal centres, you know, London, Hong Kong, New York may now see it as a, as a viable option. Perhaps they planned to do that previously and haven't been able to do it. And now they can put those plans into practice. But I think probably took a number of months, people coming into the country and joining law firms in Australia. Um, it might take a bit of time for that impact to be seen, I think, because there is such a shortage. The global law firms have always had good movement of people. I'd imagine that will be the first thing that frees up. The large international firms with, with offices in all of those different locations globally, I'd imagine we'll start to see. There'll be definitely people now where that, that movement hasn't been even applicable for them now. Their options, people that had those plans previously. I wonder if there'll be a bit of hesitancy just with the fact that Australia has closed its borders so harshly, the fact that WA's border is still closed. People can come in and out of all the other states and go to London or New York, but they can't actually go to Perth. People have a bit of nervousness around that. Definitely have an impact, I'd imagine, as the year progresses. And we've seen a lot in the UK and the US around talent, you know, the legal professionals really starting to move away from these big law firms with big salaries and the benefits that come with that, choosing the smaller firms for their defined culture, balance work. I wonder whether this is something that you're seeing in Australia where you anticipate, particularly as people would look to Australia. You know, there's a lot of reasons why people go to Australia. But one of the things is the weather, the culture there, that it could be seen as quite an enticing proposition for a lot of people that thinking, you know, they've had a lot of consideration over the last couple of years of what they want to do next and what's important to them. I know personally for a lot of friends are are looking at New Zealand and Australia as possible moves for all those things, living on the coast, having a great organisations, great career. But I wonder whether we may see the trend spilling over into Australia as well, that people are not necessarily getting attracted to these big law firms with big salaries and the big stress that comes with it in favour of perhaps the smaller organisations looking at more in-house roles. I think that's probably already potentially been happening to a certain extent. And I think at the beginning of this year, we have seen a move already where there's been a number of the larger law firms have seen a lot of resignations. And I think there's going to be a bit of a talent merry-go-round continuing throughout 2022. I think there's also a question mark with a lot of the big law firms seem to be talking about the hybrid model. And I think it is more weighted to working in the office from what I've seen so far. It's more likely that you know they'll want lawyers in the office sort of three days a week and then two days a week from home. And I think that a lot of the talent see that as quite rigid. That may well lead to people looking at the smaller businesses that perhaps the remote, the requirements aren't as rigid for them to be in the office as much. I do still think that big law firms will have their eyes on talent in the mid-tiers and trying to bring them over. That sort of battle will continue. It was red hot, I think, last year and will continue into 2022. And I think one of the things that you've seen happen in Australia is that these law firms are bringing back their talent from the secondments. A lot of the talent that's been brought back to the large law firm is because they've lost 
amongst other permanent employees across the firm. They've then brought their lawyers back from secondments. And then we've seen the law departments are then short staffed. Ideally, they very often get favorable terms from their law firm partners on secondees, but now they are actually looking at putting projects together of lawyers that they need to bring in, certainly with some larger law departments where they have all these gaps at the moment, which is obviously creating more opportunities that we're looking to source people for at the moment. That's a, an additional layer. And I think what's happened in some of the other regions also is that there's been this salary race, if you like, of throwing money at talent to entice them into into roles, you know, the golden handcuffs, which is really based on retainers. So if they stay for X period of time, then they're eligible for a big bonus at the end of first year, second year, whatever it is, to try and really retain talent, essentially. To me, that bubble has got to burst at some point that you can't keep going on this dizzy heights of increasing salaries for people. It's got to come to a point that ends, I'm seeing really these smaller organizations being more creative in how they attract people. And I think flexibility is really that key that you talked about, that it isn't saying to legal professionals, you need to be at a certain place, whether that's an office or physically present for two, three days a week. It's really allowing people to be flexible. And also in the billable hours, I've started to see law firms in particular being less rigid around billable hour requirements, either decreasing it in the attempt to release some of those hours, CSR that we call it, corporate social responsibility, doing things like voluntary work will also add towards their hours. I don't know whether you're starting to, with your conversations with law firms, whether that's something that the Australian market are embracing. I haven't come across that as much. I do think the shift to smaller firms where perhaps retained work they're doing for clients as opposed to billable hours. Some firms will have embraced the idea of flexibility, whether that's in the office or working from home, but also you might be in the office, but what is it that you're actually doing? The tasks that you're doing within the office different to what you're doing at home. Some firms have embraced it better than others, but I think that will be fine-tuned over the course of the next six to 12 months if it hasn't been already. One of the other patterns that we started to see over 2021 also was the movement of talent from permanent opportunities, actually looking to step into the interim market. That hasn't stopped. When I look at EMEA and I look at the US, there are still people looking for that flexibility in their career, really to take control of what they do, where they do it and how they do it. Is that something that you and your your teams are starting to see more and more in Australia again as people seek that work-life balance? Definitely. I think certainly over the, the last few months, 2021 and coming into 2022, and we've seen it so far this year, there's the definite increase and it, it's shown in the growth of, of our talent network and the amount of people that we are speaking to that are in our network now that are looking at the flexible working model as their full-time or part-time. That has only increased and I think will continue. It's increasing daily in the region. And I think we're also seeing an increase as we did through last year into this year's an increase of, of opportunities, which we're able to provide to those people, whether it's from our global customer base, but also locally with local Australian organizations, blue chip companies that are looking at this model as viable. The increase on both sides, they're interested in talking about it and then are actually saying, right, well, I see this is something that I want to take control over what I'm doing from a a work perspective on a day-to-day basis. And it's becoming a new normal, I think, with a lot of people that we're speaking to at the moment. No, that's really, really insightful. Just great to start to see and feel how the movement of people and what they want, really voting with their feet, if you like. It's quite a fascinating picture. I'd like to talk, if we can, just on the the demand of skills and experience you know, set for 2022. We're certainly seeing cybersecurity, 
data protection, data privacy to be really the hot tickets as obviously everybody's working in more of a cloud-based roles and organizations had to in the last years. So there's really a demand surge for those particular skill sets. In your mind, is that where you see the, the demand in Australia and Asia pack or indeed are there other areas that you're seeing likely to increase this year? I think there definitely has been an increase in those opportunities in cybersecurity that you mentioned. We have seen those opportunities. What I've seen is corporate M&A sector just to be red hot. I think that will remain to be busy in, in 2022. And then the related practice areas around that to so finance, generally speaking, bank and finance lawyers that we're going to keep on getting opportunities for that will continue throughout this year. Those are some of the key areas and the continuation of the general commercial contracts lawyers that we always require other different projects as well. Those are probably the key areas that we've seen so far. But that probably hasn't been too different from the end of 2021, but we'll see that continuing through 2022 as well. Dan, thank you so much and thank you very much for listening. Thanks, Paula. Tune in to the next episode of the Elevate Together podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and elevateservices.com. 